ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Yo, yo, how's it going, my Ascend podcast family? My name's Jesse, I'm from New Zealand, uh, currently living in Australia. And first of all, I just wanted to throw a big shout out. Thank you to Chris and Dan for all the work they've been doing and have done. I know Chris has left the podcast now and Dan's continuing the grind, which is just amazing. Um, the conversations that you guys have are absolutely incredible. Um, they help so much for so many different things that I personally think about. A lot of these conversations are topics that I'm going through in my mind and uh, that I'm sure we all like to have the answers to these kinds of questions from these amazing people that they happen to have these conversations with. Um, I listen to these podcasts while I'm working most of the time or while I'm driving, and through my journey, they've really helped. Uh, like, I've, I'm, I'm a builder, and currently I'm in the process of selling all my stuff and building myself a little van to go cruising around Australia, which is where I live now, surfing and doing some meditation and having a bit of uh, self-discovery happen throughout this process so I just want to encourage everyone that listens to this podcast to come to it with an open mind and an open heart without fixing your ideas on what you think is possible in this world because there are so many amazing things outside of what we know and how we've been raised or brought up so thanks again guys amazing work keep it up Yo, 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 people, how's it going? And thank you so much to Jesse there from New Zealand, who is currently living in Australia, for that message there. Really cool. I loved how you spoke about how you said you were selling your stuff and you're building yourself a little van. Really interesting. And it's something and something that I haven't spoke about yet on the podcast is that is something that I'm actually working towards and a vision that I'm working towards as well in my mind. I'm either planning in the future on buying a little van similar to yourself and kitting it out and traveling around or I'm going to either be going out on foot and just just with a backpack on my back and travel around the world and while I'm doing that I want to record podcasts with loads of interesting people along the way share the share all these different share all the conversations with you all as well and I think in the future I would love to explore as well and sort of hang out with all the people who listen to this podcast, meet up along the ways as I'm traveling around, meet up with everyone who listens to this thing. I mean, it's really interesting because so many people listen to this podcast. It's It really is um, so amazing and it's so humbling at the same time. And sometimes you don't, you get this, you get to sort of see numbers and how many people listen to this thing. But behind all them numbers are people's faces and people's stories and people's journeys and all you were out there living your life while I'm living mine at the same time and I think it would be really cool to sort of put some 
faces to them numbers who listen to this podcast and along the way I would love to just sort of meet up with you all, hang out, do do whatever, just talk about deep conversations, do do some Wim Hof method, whatever whatever it is, whatever we will get up to, it'll be really cool and I'm sure in the future that'll come to fruition and we'll actually hang out sometime, that would be amazing, like a sort of an Ascend podcast meetup, doesn't have to be called that but you know what I mean, just all hang out and have a cool time. I thought it was really cool as well, what was really funny, Jesse, in the background towards the end of your little talk there, how I could hear the grinding in the background, and what's really funny is, is that one of my best friends, he also works on a building site, and he's somebody very similar to me and you, he talks about all the deepest topics, and he, as you know, on a building site, and I'm sure you'll relate to this, it's a very sort of laddie lad mentality, and if you talk about spirituality, you get sort of singled out, and you've, and the, the rest of the builders on the site will all laugh at you. I'm not sure if that's your situation, but that's my best friend's situation anyway. So I'm sure you relate to that and find a little bit of humour in that one. So anyway, this week on the podcast is a guy who I've wanted to speak to for a while now, David Icke. He's a very controversial figure and he's somebody who's been talking about conspiracies and talking about how life is just an illusion and sort of how there's a... how there's sort of a... a secret hand controlling the world and controlling the planet he talks about who and what is really controlling the world he talks about the aspect of who we truly are and I'm always mindful as well of bridging that gap as well and I think David Icke for me is somebody over the years who sort of continues to, to bridge that gap between a lot of the sort of normal people who wouldn't be who wouldn't be sort of asking the bigger questions he sort of has that sort of way of bringing across topics that really does sort of hit people in the head really hard sort of say and he sort of continues to wake people up over the years he's continues to to wake so many people up all over the world to sort of the conditioning so I do feel that sometimes a podcast like this with David Icke is really needed he's a powerful guest as always he speaks about so many amazing stuff and as you will see in this he completely takes over the podcast and just sort of blasts some (laughs) deep knowledge on us all so I'm sure you're going to love this. I just wanted to say as well that if you can, please find it in your heart and check out the Patreon page. It really would mean a lot if you could check it out. As you know now, I'm travelling all over the place. This podcast that I did here was in London. And it was so funny because I actually got... I went, I went down and recorded this podcast with David Icke. And David Icke is a, is a big guest. He sort of brings in a lot of listeners because he has a huge audience. And what was really funny is when I went to record this podcast in Westminster with David Icke I got a parking ticket <laughs> I got a congestion charge I smashed my window on me on my uh, van <laughs> and it ended up being a nightmare anyway but it was but all it was all good anyway after the conversation with, with David Icke it was worth worth all that crap that went on by the universe sometimes the universe tests you like that which is really funny and I've learned now that in my life is just to sort of let that go let that shit go and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> so if you want to help me pay for me window <laughs> in the congestion charge, please become a patron. <laughs> I'm only joking. But if you do want to become a patron, it would really mean a lot. It really helps me to keep doing what I'm doing. It gives me a little bit of support so I can put some money in the petrol tank while I'm travelling around doing all these conversations. And when you become a patron as well, you will get access to bonus podcasts. As I've mentioned in previous intros, there is now a private sort of URL feed which you can add to your favourite podcast 
app that you listen to podca- podcasts on, which is really cool. And each week, every time I add a new bonus, just like the podcasts do on the normal feed, they will automatically get downloaded to your phone and you can listen to them on the move wherever you are. Have a bonus podcast coming on there with a guy called Ryan Cropper. We talk about astral projection and stuff. That's a really cool conversation. Also as well, I'm going to put on some... have a Terence McKenna talk that I'm currently uploading. I'm going to be putting that to the Patreon feed as well so you can listen to that on the move. So basically that just gives... that feed gives me the option to give back to Patrons and give some cool bonuses so you can listen to them on the move. So anyway, if you can, please find it in your heart. Check out the Patreon page. It really would mean a lot. So anyway, enjoy this conversation... The Nail in the Head by David Icke. Enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It really is a pleasure to no sit down problem. with you. Um, so your message over the years is you've been really challenging sort of the status quo and, and the normality in people's minds and things like that. But a bigger, deep, a deeper aspect that I feel like your work is challenging, your message is challenging, is the sort of a, the nature of reality, so to say. The, the bigger sense of like this sort of illusionary state that everyone believes the way the world is. I mean, could you speak a bit about that? Well, um we live in a world where the general population um, perceive everything to be solid and everything to be uh, apart from everything else. When uh, actually we are living in a reality that is very much akin to Wi-Fi and computers. I've been calling the body for a very long time a biological computer. And if you um, think we're in a home, this hotel now, and in this room, therefore, will be Wi-Fi, but where is it? You can't see it. Um, And if you said to people who didn't know about computers that there was a, um, a, a, a series of fields, radiation fields of information in this room, which you can tap into... Um, anywhere in the world if you have the right uh, technology and you can put on the screen the same worldwide reality anywhere in the world people would say you were crazy the first thing they'd say is well where is it can't see it but because um, people now know about computers and they know about wi-fi when you you say that to people they say yeah wi-fi computers yeah i know about that but the only difference is between that's crazy, and yeah, yeah, I know about that, is knowledge. Knowledge of computers and knowledge of Wi-Fi. If people didn't have that knowledge, they would write off and dismiss um, an explanation of what exists, but they don't realise exists and can't perceive that it exists. And it's the same with our reality. You know, if you look at a, a computer, what is it doing? It's taking waveform information and it's decoding it and it's taking electrical information, electromagnetic information, 
uh, and it's decoding it into an into a, a reality on the screen. Because if you said to people, "Tell me about the internet," they'd say, "Well, it's it's graphics and moving pictures and 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 words on the screen." Well, yes, it is, but only on the screen. Nowhere else. Everywhere else, the internet is a completely different form. And uh, what I've been saying, and I've been researching this now for thirty years, is that we live in a um, an energetic sea of information and it operates on a waveform level and um, just as uh, the computer decodes wi-fi so we're decoding that and you can see that through the five senses because what the five senses are doing is taking waveform information it's turning it into electrical information it's communicating that to the brain and then the brain constructs that into what i say is um, digital holographic information and that digital holographic level of reality is this it's the world we perceive to be outside of us but it's not you think about the internet where is the internet on a computer it's inside the computer we're just viewing it and what we're basically doing is the same and if you think about um, sound classic example but all the five senses work the same way but classic that the ears are picking up sound waves waveform turning it into electrical information and communicating it to the brain. Because as I'm speaking, people hearing it only hear it when that process has happened. Only when the information electrically reaches the brain do people hear me speak. It, it's a, it's a, a, quite an amazing um, thing, really, to see the reality that people perceive themselves to be experiencing against what it really is. For instance, if you ask the question... Um, does a falling tree make a noise? Well, well, of course it does. Well, actually, it doesn't. Falling tree doesn't make a noise. What it does as, as it falls on an energetic waveform level is it disturbs the energetic field. It creates a waveform disturbance. That disturbance is picked up by the ears, communicated to the brain electrically, and the brain then decodes that into the sound of a tree falling. But if no one's there to be the decoder of that um, waveform uh, disturbance, then a falling tree doesn't make a noise. Now, uh, and, you know, if you know how reality works, you know it's malleable. You know that perception is the key to dictating what reality we experience. Then you don't want the population to know that. Because you knowing that and how it works and how we decode reality and how we uh, create our own experience through the perceptions that we have. That is your enormous point of power. You don't want the population knowing that. Uh, you want them to think this is all solid because what does solidity mean? It means limitation. Once you think you live in a solid world, you, you, what you're saying is, I can't, I can't. It's not possible all the time, which if the world was solid, it, it would be impossible. But it's not. And this, this cabal knows that. And so it's, it's quite a thought that you look at all these television channels now I mean, uh, when I first grew up, there was, uh, you know, as a kid, there was only the BBC. Not even BBC Two, BBC, that's all there was. But the, and now you've got all these channels and, and uh, all these mainstream outlets. How many times do you see a programme looking into the nature of reality? 
Never. I mean, so that's a question immediately. Why is that? I mean, why aren't we pursuing in the mainstream media where the hell we are yeah. and what this is? But it doesn't happen except rarely and in, in some, uh, you know, uh, minor channels. And it's because we, um, if we know that, then we can start to use that knowledge to create the, our reality rather than reality creating us. Because perception is everything. And that's why this whole conspiracy is about um, imposing, downloading to people their perception of reality. If you think of perception, it's the middle point. First of all, your perception of something, your perception of life, your perception of self, dictates your behavior. All behavior comes from perception. If I see a situation in a certain way, um, then I will behave towards that situation in a certain way. If I see it a different way, I'll behave differently. Everything is perception. Then you go back from perception and you think, where does perception come from? It comes from information received. That's what it is. We, we form our perceptions from information, anything from a personal experience to um, a newspaper or, or a Facebook post. Um, and therefore, you once you start to realize this, these connections, you start to realize what this increasingly outrageous, extreme censorship is of information that's challenging all the norms, whatever it is, vaccine norms, uh, political norms, whatever. It's because if you want to um, impose the perceptions of the population, thus dictate their behavior and their responses in a way that suits you, then you must control the information they receive, which will then form their perceptions. You don't want all these other people coming in and saying, actually, there is another way of looking at this, because that would, that would challenge the perception that you want them to have. And that's why we're having all this um, we're having all this censorship now. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, systematic, and these internet giants like Facebook and Google and YouTube, owned by Google, Alphabet, uh, its parent company, and uh, Amazon, and all these people, um, they are um, organizations that have been systematically created as monopolies in their area of operation. So um, you can go through a very simple sequence of how we got here and, and how we've been hoaxed. Um, in this sense, um, first of all, the Internet was the creation of an organization called DARPA. The technology was military technology. DARPA is the technological development arm of the Pentagon. Very, very sinister organization that gives us death rays and ever new, uh, more efficient ways of killing people. Um, but, and also give us, gave us the office assistance technology, by the way, SEED funded them. Why would, why would a military arm of the Pentagon um, want to have these office assistants, this Echo and Alexa stuff in people's homes? Well, we might come to that because there is a reason. Anyway, um, what they, the idea from the start was that the internet had to become the central pillar of human society to a point where it was irreversible because this whole technological society of control which we can get into is founded on the internet this is where you get the internet of things with you know billions of 
of, of gadgets and technologies and fridges and cars and televisions now connected to the internet. Um, and to get the internet to that point where it becomes the central pillar of human society, which it has become, you can't have the internet we have now with all the censorship because people say, oh, stuff that, not having that. So we went through a period when the internet was first launched of free flow of information, no censorship, mm. say what you like. Now that had to happen for the internet to, 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 be, um, to become so much part of people's lives that it became this central point. But there was a downside to that period, which was the free flow of information. And what happened, of course, in that period, as I know myself, is that um, another or multiple other versions of possibility, reality, world events, everything, were able to be communicated. And, and vast numbers of people saw this new way of looking at things and went, whoa, this makes more sense than what I've been told all my life. So um, we, we've now reached the point where the internet is the central pillar of human society. Um, it's the, the point where people get most of their information and it, it's, design, it's designed and planned to be where people get all their information. And therefore, the, the system, DARPA and its multiple connections, including the intelligence communities, um, are now confident enough to say, okay, we've reached the point. Now we can start um, making the internet what it was always planned to be. Um, and in the same way, you had... Um, companies, Facebook, Amazon, um, YouTube, uh, Twitter, um, that have been promoted and supported to become near monopolies. And again, the same process. To become, a, 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 to reach that near monopoly um, situation, they had to give people what they wanted. So what, what, what do we have in the early days at the same time of the internet? We had no censorship on Facebook, no censorship on uh, Google, the search engine reflected um, uh, what people um, uh, were were wanting, mm. uh, and you had um, no censorship on YouTube, etc., and, and Twitter, and no censorship of books on Amazon, as Amazon um, was being uh, financially supported uh, to lose lots of money every year, but by not having to worry about that, was able to get this, again, near monopoly situation on book circulation, even book publishing. And all these companies now, at the same time, the, they've, they've said, okay, well, okay, the, the internet, we've got it where we want it, now we'll make it what we plan it to be. At the same time, you're seeing these internet companies, I say controlled by the same people, who are doing the same. They're now um, uh, censoring ever more blatantly, ever more uh, outrageously. You've got uh, Amazon now uh, deleting books, not selling books um, that are challenging the, um, the system in whatever way, including now more recently um, um, things that are books that are challenging the official story of vaccines. So this has been systematic. It's like it's like having a a fishing line thrown out. Oh, look at this, isn't it great? No censorship, hey, isn't it great? <laughs> and then now the fishing line's being pulled in. Uh, and uh, the target, the biggest target, of course, is the alternative media, 
which is challenging the official story of, of, of virtually everything, uh, depending on what their specialization is. Uh, and you um, have uh, this happening in the same period that they are inventing more and more excuses to censor. So, uh, first of all, you know, we've got to stop uh, terrorism. Okay, yeah, okay, so we, we'll, we'll, we'll ban this and we'll ban that, we'll ban that. Uh, oh, fake news. Oh, we're going to stop fake news. Well, that was the BBC shut down then, surely. <laughs> but no, no, apparently not. Um, so fake news. So we've got to stop fake news. So we've got to ban that. We've got to ban that. We've got to ban that. Uh, now we've got um, far right uh, uh, white supremacy and uh, uh, white nationalism. Oh, we've got to ban that, ban that, ban that. And uh, and so it goes on. Uh, and uh, oh, no, you can't say that because, uh, you know, somebody will be upset. And this is the other part of that is that all these things are seamlessly connected. They're all expressions of the same thing. You know, I hear people say, oh, you know, you, you see conspiracies everywhere. No, I don't. I see one conspiracy with multiple faces and multiple facets. Um, and so you look at political correctness, and that is connected into all this, because political correctness uh, which is the, uh, a means of getting the target population to silence itself, uh, is now being used more and more as m multiple excuses to censor. And therefore, the more that you can get people, quote, upset and self-identified as a victim across the multiples of subjects and situations, the more upset people you have, the more sense of victimized people you have, the more excuses you've got to say, no, you can't say that because it upsets this person. You can't say that it upsets that person. And, and this is the whole foundation of it. That which is behind all this couldn't give a damn who's upset. But it could give a damn about using that to justify um, censorship. And, you know, fascism or actually what, what it is, is Marxism. But the, the, because fascism and Marxism are basically expressions of the same thing, centralized tyranny, they use the same techniques. So it can get confusing sometimes. Is this fascism or Marxism? It doesn't matter, it's tyranny. Yeah. But um, because um, you know there aren't people in jackboots goose-stepping down the street, and that nice... That nice Mark Zuckerberg in his grey T-shirt. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, grey T-shirt. I'm one of you, guy. One of you, man. Um, he, he, can't, he, can't be, he can't be horrible. Well, he is. He, he, the people running these companies, from Bezos and all through, are actually disgusting people um, running disgusting companies for disgusting regions, be, reasons because they have utter and total contempt for freedom of expression and the right of every individual to have their free um, opinion. They have contempt for that. And, uh, you know, don't don't let the, the, the smiley, smiley um, grey T-shirt images of, of people like Bryn and Page that uh, run Google who go down the same road of I, I'm a progressive, I'm one of you. Uh, don't let them co uh, confuse you and... Um, and, um, and hoodwink you because they have a very, very dark agenda. But even they are only front people. 
you know, I, I, whether you've seen, oh, you must have done, everybody must have seen it, or most people. Mark Zuckerberg on Capitol Hill being questioned by a... Yeah, I've seen a Congress. By a congressional committee. I mean, when you see those headlights of an oncoming train eyes staring and that almost terrified face, well, not not even almost, right? And and being... He's like, um, like a robot. Yeah, <laughs> and being disarmed by the, by the... Even the most mild questioning, which someone like that should have instant answers for, you kind of get the feeling, uh, not wrong, by the way, that, that he doesn't run Facebook. Uh, and I say Bezos doesn't run uh, Amazon. They all, in the end, go deep in the shadows and they're controlled by the same uh, 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 group the same network which is running this agenda of um, making free speech disappear uh, and I'll just finish on this 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 point with this um, I have a uh, I have a phrase I use um, know the outcome and you'll see the journey because if you don't know what the outcome is planned to be Events on the way to that outcome can seem like random events. Just this happens, that happens, that happens. Once you know what the outcome is designed to be, then the events are no longer random. You can see the process, the progress towards the outcome. Um, and you, um, you now have um, uh, a situation where the outcome that is desired is quite simply this, that the point is eventually reached where no one but no one ever hears anything or sees anything in the public arena that the system doesn't want them to see and hear. And to do that, you have to destroy freedom of speech. Because while freedom of speech exists, you have the freedom to speak and challenge and say things that are outside what the system wants people to see and hear. So free speech has to go. That's why it's being dele deleted, because it's it's um, preventing that planned outcome of people only seeing what the system wants them to see or hear. And uh, it's a very, very dangerous situation that we're facing now. And I, I, I cannot impress upon people just how extreme it is and that uh, apart from um, apart from the the jackboots and the and the and, and the goose stepping, we are moving into a very very um, dark and dangerous era. Yeah, and with you on that, I mean, restriction of freedom of speech is really an important topic. And I mean, uh, we we are like to see it is that as a society, for help to have a healthy society, you should be able to be have access to all sides of the conversation. Yeah, exactly. That's what I really feel. And just before as well, when you were speaking about the illusionary state of reality, a big question I want to ask you is, is what what do you think the role of consciousness plays in that? Well, I think consciousness is what we are, you see. Um, if, if people say, um, you know, who, what are we? I would say we are um, awareness, a state of being aware. Because um, we are sitting here now um, and we apparently, you know, have... Uh, uh, bodies and we have colors and we have um, labels that people give themselves and uh, society gives you 
I am R. I am R this religion. I am R this race. I am R this income bracket. I am R. But they're just experiences. They're not who we are. They're experiences. I mean, look, uh, we, we come into this world and in a ridiculously short time, we leave this world. And, and yet we self-identify the I with what happens in that transitory tiny little period between one and the other. I saw an advert. It, it obviously wasn't a great advert to sell things because I can't remember what it was for, but it was a brilliant, brilliant concept. And it had a, uh, a baby coming out um, at birth and flying through the air like a missile. And as it was traveling through the air at massive speed, it was getting older and older and older, that eventually it crashes into a grave at the other end as an old person. And, and you know, that's very symbolic of, you know, life. Um, I'm, I'm coming up 67 now. And, you know, I tell you, it goes like that. Um, but we self-identify with what happens in between. Well, what happens before and after? Um, we are consciousness, awareness. We are that which is having the experience. You know, I'm aware of you and I'm aware of the room and I'm aware of what's uh, uh, happening here. What is aware of it? Is, it? is it this vehicle for my consciousness that's aware of it or is it the consciousness for which this is a vehicle that's aware of it? And when people, you know, you, you, you read, I've read endless accounts now over the years of near-death experiences where uh, people talk about uh, their, their point of observation leaving the body, looking down on the body, even going out into realms of other realities while the body is, has, has ceased to function. And then the body is revived and they, they return. Well, what, what is leaving, what is moving its point of attention is that awareness. Um, and that's who we are. That's the I. Now, here's a fantastic um, irony. I mean, the, we're drowning in ironies is that my philosophy on life is that we are uh, points of attention within an infinite um, stream of consciousness, goes across multiple dimensions, multiple realities into infinity. We're a point of attention. So your point of attention can be so tiny um, that you completely self-identify with the labels. And you might say, uh, who are you? Or oh, I'm Bill and I drive a bus. No, no. You are consciousness having that experience. You are not Bill and you're not uh, driving the bus is not who you are. It's what you're doing. Um, you are consciousness. You're the consciousness that's, that, that, that is an eternal uh, uh, expression of, of infinite states of awareness. Uh, so you can so focus attention that you believe you're Bill driving a bus, and that's who you are and nothing more. Mm. Or you can be a point of attention that expands its uh, awareness and its sense of self and reality and says, I am infinite awareness having the experience, whatever label you give it. And that is a completely different way of looking at life um, because when you think... I am the labels, you are in the world and you are of it. Everything that you, um, you experience, all the information that you glean to, for your 
perception comes from the belief that you are your labels. And of course, that is obviously going to give you a self-identity of limitation. What can I do? I'm only are. But when um, you self-identify with being consciousness, awareness, no form, they're, they're just vehicles for experiencing certain bands of frequency, like this one, which is tiny, by the way. Um, but when you self-identify with being the consciousness, having the experience, the experiences themselves do not have the same impact upon you. Because when you experience a situation and you believe that is you in your totality, then you, the experience and you basically become the same thing and thus has this massive impact upon you. So for instance, um, if um, you're ridiculed or people hurl abuse at you, um, if you're self-identifying with the labels that they are abusing and ridiculing, then that becomes a very powerful thing. <clears throat> but when you self-identify with being consciousness, having an experience, the same abuse and the same ridicule does no effect at all, ultimately, if you expand your self-identity enough, because you know it's just a here today, gone tomorrow experience. And, and the, the people that are uh, the source of it are just, are just ignorant and obviously have their, their own problems or they wouldn't do that. So you just kind of smile and move on. It's a completely different way of interacting with reality. But of course, when you start to expand your awareness and you expand it, you start to expand it beyond this programmed reality uh, which is basically founded on control of information. Um, if you look at the mainstream media, what I call the mainstream everything, mainstream science, mainstream medicine, mainstream politics, mainstream all of it, it's basically a, an information construct. I, I call it in my talks and books the postage stamp consensus. It's, it's a tiny band of information and perception of reality and if you stay within that tiny band, which is taught in the schools and the universities and the colleges, and it's pounded out 24-7 in the media, then you are considered normal. Um, and what they're really saying is not that you're normal, but you are conforming to what we want you to believe is normal and how things are. So when your, your, your focus of attention is so, um, uh, so focused on that, only on that postage stamp consensus, perception of everything coming from the mainstream, um, then the only information you're getting to form your uh, perceptions, thus your behavior, is coming from the mainstream. It's coming from newspapers and, 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 and um, mainstream sources, television news, whatever. And it's coming from people around you who, who are on the same postage stamp you're on. Mm -hmm. But when you let your consciousness expand, once you self-identify with being consciousness, potentially infinite um, in its, uh, in its uh, scale, um, instead of being the labels, now your consciousness starts to 
travel and connect with levels of realities, levels of perception, levels of information that is way beyond the postage stamp. Now, instead of being in the world and of it, and you're trying to make sense of a world while getting information to make sense of the world from that world, and only that world, I mean, that, that, I mean what's that going to do except keep you in on, on the, um, you know, like a mouse on the, uh, running hum, around the hum, wheel? Hamster wheel, hamster wheel. Instead, you're starting to get inspiration and insight. And basically, what you're doing is you, you start to look at the world from outside the world. When I say the world, I mean this reality. And you start to see it in a completely different way. Suddenly, instead of everything being random dots, now you can see the connections. Now, instead of uh, pixels, you see pictures. And you see how everything's connected. Uh, and it, it's a completely different way of seeing the world. But of course, when you start to do that, and you start to um, articulate what you're observing, that which is still on the postage stamp in the world and of it thinks you're absolutely bonkers, yeah. crazy, mad, because they literally, and this, go back to the computer analogy, they literally can't compute what you're computing. Not that you're better than them, mm. but you are, you are seeing the world in a much more expanded way. And as I've gone around the world, particularly since 2016 on a world speaking tour, where they let me in these days, <laughs> yeah. um, the, the number of people from all the walks of life and backgrounds who are going through this process of reassessing the world, reassessing self, um, is phenomenal compared with um, what it's been before. And because of the suppression um, of information and this focus on this postage stamp, I mean, watch any BBC ITV news bulletin, you'll see the postage stamp reported, that's all, nothing beyond it. Um, people don't realize the scale of the wake up that's happening. Uh, and uh, they're trying to shut that down with the, with the censorship. Uh, but you know, once it starts, once the genie's out of the bottle, um, it's very difficult to put it back, and they know that, because in, in so many ways, what's happening now with the censorship, uh, I mean, arrogant, I mean, extremely arrogant, we'll do what we like, but behind the arrogance is actually, a, is actually panic, yeah. because they know the consequences for their control system of people waking up to reality beyond the control system, and, and it, it is happening, yeah, but definitely. not on the scale we would like, but it's happening greater than I've ever seen. Yeah, great points by the way. And before when you were speaking about this infinite expression of consciousness and this infinite awareness of consciousness when you explain the driver on the bus and stuff like that, how if he has a perspective that he is not identify as the as the role that society gives him, identify as the role of consciousness. Do you think that, because the question I've asked myself on that is, if that is the case and we, I know for myself we're not the role, we're not the role that society gives us, and I'm with you as well that we are this infinite expression of con consciousness just living out these lives through these avatars and things like that. Do you think that we are actually consciousness sort of getting to know ourselves? Well, I think it's like everything. You, you, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you, you grow up as, as just, just on the level of a human being, yeah. um, 
you have experiences and you learn from them. Well, if you've got any sense, you do. Mm-hmm. So that that's a pro that process happens anyway. Um, the question is, is is this a choice? Has everyone chosen to experience this? I don't think that's necessarily the case because um, as a fly, has a fly chosen to get caught on the fly trap? Yeah, right. And I, and in many ways, what humanity is in is a fly trap and. It's a flytrap that's based on actually a simulated reality, which is what this is. Um, so the, the, the story is much, much bigger than, than, than it even at first appears to the uh, alternative media. Uh, but everything is, a, everything is an experience and thus everything is a potential road to greater wisdom. And on that whole point, you, you can look at this control system and you could say it's it's a small number of people controlling a large number of people, which it is. But it's also a massive, massive lesson, if you like, collectively. This is what happens when you give your power away. When you give your power away to other people, when you say, for instance, what are they going to do about it instead of what am I going to do about it? Those people will take that power and they'll recycle it back against you, which is which is how it works. You know, there's 7.7 billion people in the world currently, apparently. Don't know who counts them, but anyway, 7.7 <laughs> billion. Google counts them. <laughs> Google counts them, yeah. And, um, and the number of people that are ultimately driving this control system and driving the direction of the world is, is, is little more than a handful at, at, right at the core. Uh, and you can only that can only happen because the vast majority of the 7.7 billion have given their power away to someone else and one way of giving your power away is not to check anything out to 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 listen to the news or listen to a politician or more to the point listen to the politician you prefer i'm not listening to that one i don't like them they're the tories i'll listen to this one jeremy corbyn he knows um whatever by just taking that without question, uh, you're giving your power away. You're giving your power away to form your own unique conclusions. Because of the postage stamp consensus, the amount of information, available information, that people receive through mainstream sources is tiny. It's pathetically tiny. You look at any news bulletin any day, they're talking about the same things in the same way. Every day. Look at the subjects that they cover. Yeah. Or now look at the range of subjects in the world that they don't cover, which is almost everything. It's very focused. Uh, and uh, if, if we leave it there and don't check out um, our, our own, do our own research, come to our own conclusions, then that which controls the information we receive and believe dictates our lives and it does for the vast numbers of people you know something uh, it, it's it's a you know the, the nazis were very very significant in their understanding of perception manipulation and if you read the the quotes and the work of people like joseph goebbels the nazi propaganda minister you can see the techniques that are being used upon us now. It's, it's very well worth reading. Um, and one of the, uh, their basic themes is, um, first of all, the bigger the lie, the more they will believe it, brackets, uh, human cause climate change. 
Um, but the another thing is, keep repeating the lie, and it becomes accepted truth. Because if people keep hearing the same thing, they kind of take on it must be true because that's all they're hearing. But if you're getting it from the mainstream. And the people around you who are repeating it, everybody knows that. Everyone's saying the same, get it from the same source. Mm. Well, that means whatever controls that same source is uh, downloading the perceptions of everybody. And because they're downloaded perceptions of everybody, um, as people interact with everybody, they come to the conclusion that this must be true because everybody is saying it. Everybody believes it. And, you know... I'm a bit like um, I'm a bit like the kid um, in the story of the Emperor's New Clothes, um, where people um, are accepting that you know the Emperor's got clothes on. Uh, a lot of the time, because they don't really want to face the fact that the Emperor is naked. What does that mean to their lives? Um, and 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 I I'm the, I'm like the kid saying actually what are you talking about what are you talking about he's got no bloody clothes on look at him what are you doing what do you mean and you can be unpopular when you do that but but we're in a situation now where you're increasingly really unpopular with the system which is a good thing really it confirms you're on the right track but more and more people want to hear this stuff they want to hear um, people um, and situations being called out for what they are, instead of um, being intimidated into silence and conformity by the tyranny that's going on all around us. Um, because there is an agenda, it's multiple faceted, and it's designed to transform human society. We're seeing it, it's happening, and, and it's nowhere near where it's meant to go. Now, some of the things, many of the things that are in this agenda uh, that we have to believe for this agenda to uh, unfold and happen are so insanely ludicrous, are so ridiculous, are so stupid that if you had open debate, they'd lose the argument. Yeah, definitely. For instance... um, I want to win an argument um, and thus have my, my will imposed on society that says men and women are not biologically different, okay? Well, try winning that argument yeah. in an open debate where all the facts are available to be um, shared. You can't. Because it's mad. Um, so what do you do? You don't have the debate. How do you not have the debate? Silence it. Silence it by uh, uh, hurling abuse at um, anyone who is saying anything different to what you want people believe, i.e. men and women are not biologically different. Um, it's insane. And we've reached the point now where this censorship has got to the point where you've got bi- uh, professors of biology losing their jobs for saying that men and women are biologically different it's insane um, and you can it's the same with this whole anti-semitic industry this protection racket for israel 
um, where you can't say anything against Israel or you're an anti-Semite. Yeah. This, 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 is, this is nothing more than shutting down the debate. Because Israel's um, treatment of Palestinians is so grotesque, and when I say Israel, I mean the Israeli government, the Israeli military, uh, the extremists, the ultra-Zionists, as I call them, uh, is so outrageous, they can't win the debate. Mm -hmm. Because of that, they don't have one. Yeah, they shut it down. If you, if you say anything um, critical in any way of the far-right, psychopathic Israeli government, um, I'm undecided on this, by the way, um, then you're an anti-Semite. And so if I, if I call out the Sicilian mafia, I'm anti every Italian, am I? Yeah. It's madness, but of course it's madness, but there's method in the madness because it's shutting down the debate. Yeah, shutting down conversation. Um, human cause global warming. Human cause climate change. Now, if you're confident of what you're saying is true, you want to open debate because then you've got the, the, the ability to show that what you're saying is true and what others are saying is not true. When you think you can't win the debate if the whole uh, uh, range of information was put on the table, then you shut down the debate. And, and that's why now we're having, you're a climate change denier. Well, actually, I'm not because the climate does change. The question is, why is it changing? And I was reading a, a very interesting book this week um, by uh, an American meteorologist called um, Joe Bastardi, who um, has got so frustrated by hearing about weather events being blamed on climate change and human activity when he knows they're just secular. And he goes in this book, he says, well, you know, this happened, say, last year or two years ago or whatever. And this is what they said. This is, this is uh, um, human-caused climate change. We're all going to die. And he, then he goes back to the 1950s yeah. or the 1930s or the 1920s, and he shows the sequence of events that led to that because whether, whether the Atlantic was, was uh, warmer than the Pacific, whether the Pacific was warmer than the uh, Atlantic, dictates a sequence of events that leads to a weather outcome. And it's a completely repeating cycle. Yeah. And, um, but what, what happens, of course, is these uh, uh, people like Bastardi and, and, and his like, they are marginalized. Like the BBC decided some years ago now that the, the uh, scientific argument was won, it hasn't even started, and thus they weren't going to have people on that were putting the other side of the story. Yeah. What, is, what are they doing? They're shutting down the debate. I was going to say, that's what I think they're doing for a lot of topics. They're just trying to shut down the debate. Instead of actually just uh, engaging in the, in, the, in the conversation, they're just saying, no, not having, that conversa not having the conversation yeah, at all. exactly. Something I wanted to touch on before as well, a, a big thing you touched on, and you were talking about the deception and how to find our way through the deception and things like that. Something you talk about is this, um, you, t you call it innate intelligence versus the intellect. Yeah. Could you, could you speak upon that and what's the difference in how them two different roles play in shaping people's roles in society? Well, um, first of all, if you want to know what the agenda is, yeah. um, then look at what you can't have another opinion yeah. about. That's a very simple rule of thumb, that. Um, because if you can't have another opinion about a subject, that's the agenda. Whatever, whatever they're saying about that subject, that's their agenda, because they're shutting the debate down. 
by not letting you have a, an alternative opinion. Uh, yeah, the intellect. The intellect is the is that part of perception that operates within the postage stamp consensus. Uh, there was um, a uh, a story by or an uh, analogy by Plato, the Greek philosopher, the um, allegory uh, of the cave, where he described a situation where there were these prisoners lined up and they were chained up in a cave. And the only thing they could see was one wall of the cave. They couldn't see anything else. And behind them were fires which lit the wall that they were looking at. And then people and animals would walk past the fires behind them and they'd cast shadows on the wall. Now, because these prisoners could only see the wall and the shadows, they thought that was reality. They thought that was reality. They thought that was the, the real world. And eventually one of the prisoners gets out, uh, realizes it's not the real world, comes back and, um, and tells the other prisoners, this is not real, this is all a scam. And, uh, and they weren't very pleased with it, which is kind of very symbolic of, of, of the, the response you get a lot of the time. But where I'm going with this is this. He said as part of this um, analogy of the cave that some of these prisoners became experts on the shadows of the wall experts on them knew everything about them that's today's intellectuals yeah they they are experts on the postage stamp on the shadows of the wall on the wall and because the postage stamp worships the intellect um if you are intellectual if you know a lot about a little within the postage stamp you are deemed to be very clever and you become a professor and you have letters after your name and, and you're wheeled onto BBC programs to pontificate about subjects you actually know nothing about. Um, and, and basically, the postage stamp is the world of the known or the perceived known. The world of academia, which operates in, in its, almost in its entirety um, on the postage stamp, is all about the known. So you... Um, you go to school, and what do they tell you? They tell you about the known. Uh, they tell you the official story of everything. The books you read um, tell you the official story of everything. The teachers do, the professors do, the lecturers do. And then you go out into the world, and you go into the world of work, and you might become a journalist or uh, a, a doctor or a scientist or politician, whatever. And you take with you into, into that world um, this postage stamp consensus, which is all intellect, not expanded consciousness, intellect, um, largely unquestioned. Oh, hey, hello, Mrs. Smith. Uh, Johnny's asking questions in the classroom. They'll all want to do it. Got to stop it, right? <laughs> yeah. This is how it works. And, and a lot of kids, you know, they realize that if you just go with it, then life's easier than if yeah, you keep definitely. questioning, right? Because it's the carrot and the stick. So um, when you go out into the world, these institutions with your uh, postage stamp norm, belief system, you meet loads of people there who've, who've been through the same system earlier 
And they're confirming to you that what you've learned, uh, the postage stamp consensus is normal and true. And everyone's confirming everything else to everyone else that what, they, what the postage stamp consensus is actually real and true. And, and therefore, the rules of society dictate that for you to be taken seriously and have credibility and for you to become an academic and an intellectual, um, you must conform to the norms. Because what are exams that, that lead you down this road to academia and all the rest of it and all these other institutions? What are they? They are um, a test of whether you've absorbed the belief system or not. And if you've absorbed it well and you repeat it on the exam paper, you, you pass your exams. If you think it's a load of old crap, and, and, and like me, you spent your school days looking out the window watching the football and the games lessons, mm-hmm. um, then you, you are considered uh, stupid. Um, but what it's all based on is the intellect. And largely the intellect is in the left side of the brain. The brain has two hemispheres, uh, which again, this is mainstream science, and they have very different ways of uh, decoding and perceiving, processing information, reality. The left brain basically is the world of the intellect. It's the world that we, um, we experience all the time. The left brain is about just words. It's about numbers. It's about Everything sees everything as apart from everything else. It sees everything in structure. You've got the right side of the brain, which is more, hey, man, out there. Uh, Creativity, the artist, the maverick that won't conform. This is conformity. And if you look at um, the education system, it's becoming worse all the time. Um, It's all about focusing at everything on the left side of the brain, which I would call the intellect. Uh, so uh, even in, 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 in almost in preschool now, they're, they're doing more kind of um, uh, kind of normal academic lesson type stuff. And, and what, what they're doing, the teachers don't realize this, but in the shadows, they absolutely know exactly what they're doing. What they want to do, and this is why they want to get kids from their families as early as possible into the school system, in the preschool system and then the school system. It's crazy that, sorry to jump in, but it's crazy that whole situation of how kids, straight, like I think it's at three years old, straight away you're sitting in front of a desk yeah, and then exactly. you get to a certain amount of age again, then you're at a desk again and your yeah. job. Exactly. Well, what what if, if you think about it, I mean, just take a deep breath and, and kind of look at it. You've just come into the world, right? You've just arrived. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and how many, how much time do you have before you hit this programming system called education? It's getting smaller. And um, you've also got your parents who've been through the same system. Yeah, they're indoctrinated. And if well. they if they take on the program, they're going to pass it on to you even before you go to school, on the basis not of malevolence, but they think that's that's how things are, and they're doing the right thing. So very quickly, uh, this this uh, mind that's just arrived in the world is plonked in a desk a desk, and an authority figure is giving them the state's version of everything, telling them when they can speak, when they can uh, go to the toilet, when they can eat, yeah. uh, etc. And you've only just arrived. And this then goes on through the formative years. And, 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 and if you notice what's been happening um, is that that part of the education system 
that stimulates the right side of the brain. Um, first of all, things like music and art, they are being marginalized and defunded while everything's focused on the left brain intellect. Because what they're doing systematically is, is putting people in the left side of the brain and getting them to see the world from that point of view and shutting this down. Now, what opens this more than anything else? Ad-lib play. What is ad-lib play? It is, um, it is imagination. Yeah. This is imagination. This is, this is how you imagine new things. This is the world of the known recycling itself. This is the imagination and the creativity that sees things differently and uh, um, is extremely creative beyond the boom, boom, boom of the left side of the brain. So they don't want that. They want, they want conformity. They don't want mavericks and, and creatives uh, uh, that, that uh, they can't control. Yeah. And so um, they're shutting down that uh, whole um, area. What else are they doing? Um, they give you homework. So when you go from the, the, the programming center, school, you take the programming center home and boom, boom, boom. Then you, 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 you are uh, uh, on social media or um, some other form of, you know, uh, kind of games they play. And it's all bang, 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 really. It's all left brain. It's not really creative. It's responding to the game rather than, than being creative. And, and basically, they're, they're shutting people down and they're imprisoning them in the intellect. Now, innate intelligence is different, completely different. Innate intelligence doesn't think, it knows and when you think about what we call intuition, where do we feel intuition? We don't feel it here. Yeah, feel yeah. it here. Yeah. And you can see the body language. People say, I just know, I just know. Or they say, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. The hand is going to where the point of, um, of, of information, of inspiration is coming from. Yeah. And because the, the brain, particularly the left side of the brain, is absolutely welded and imprisoned by the postage stamp consensus intellect. Um, it knows so little because what it's learned is so little compared with what is possible to know. And because of that, it's, it keeps trying to work things out because it doesn't know. So it's got to try and think yeah. and work it out. Whereas innate intelligence, which comes from here, just knows. I just know. I just know. Um, the, the information that I've put together over the years, the vast library of information now, last 30 years, when I started out, the first small um, first period, I would um, receive information and I'd work it out and come to conclusions uh, from, from working it out. And then after not very long in the 1990s, this flip, not least because of, you know, paranormal experiences I was having, really, not paranormal, normal experiences. I need to put up there. Yeah. Normal experiences, but they're called paranormal because compared with the postage stamp, they're not normal. Therefore, they're paranormal. No, they're not. They're perfectly normal. Yeah. 
but um, just that you're in a mind prison. And, and what happened was I started to just know what the situation was. I just know. And then the information, names, dates, places, would come into my life that, that would confirm that initial, I, I, I know it's like this. This is how I think it is, or I know it is. Uh, and and this is innate intelligence. Now, why why does that know and that think? Because this is operating within this tiny band of frequency we call the human world, and and it's so tiny. I mean, if you um, look at what mainstream science says about the electromagnetic spectrum, it says that it's it's naught point naught naught. Five uh, percent of what exists in the universe, um, and the universe is just one expression of infinity. And some say it's a bit more, but not not by much. It's tiny. Now, that's the electromagnetic spectrum. Visible light, which is the only frequency band that we can see, that everything we see in what we call the visible world is within that band, is a smear, tiny smear of the zero point zero zero five percent. So we are basically blind in terms of what we see and perceive compared with what there is in infinite reality, even in this universe. And um, so you are, by definition, going to be incredibly limited in what you, um, what you uh, uh, know if you come only from that level of reality because you only know what you're told to know by the system. This this heart connection here um, takes you out there. What they want is that they want the head, the brain, to dominate the heart, because they want intellectual, learned intelligence to overpower innate knowing intelligence. So you then... Let, your, let this expand and connect out there and you listen to it and it speaks to you. Yeah. You, you just know, you just know. Well, well, you know how did you know that? Because I, I, I just knew. And you've got people like Einstein who said that none of his major discoveries were made with his conscious mind. They were made by this, knowing beyond the head thinking and what this whole system is and education of course is a is the central pillar of it is to keep us um, in states of ignorance by controlling information and by keeping us in the realm only of thought and intellect and and of course exam what are exams they're testing the intellect what 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 is education what are lessons what are lectures at universities they're all speaking to the intellect. And I remember when I was first asked to go and uh, debate and speak at the Oxford Union, this ancient debating society at Oxford University, which is laid out like basically like the House of Commons, not quite, but the same principle. Um, I went along. I, I left school at 15 to go and play football. Never, never passed a major exam in my life. And I'm turning up at Oxford University, all these kind of, you know, very clever people, intellectual people. Um, And of course, um, you know, what's going to happen? Well, I've probably been about 
five or six times, not for a long time, but about five or six times. I can honestly tell you, I've never once been asked a single challenging question. Mm. Not one. Because with the odd exception, you're talking to a program. You are talking to a software program which sees the world in such limited terms because that's what the software program is meant to do that um, you kind of listen to them and debate with them and you're going, what are you talking about? Why can't you just see the obvious? Well, they can't. But because they're all at this... um, esteemed academic institution, Oxford University or Cambridge University, and they were all told that they're special because they're very clever. They, they, oh, got a place at Oxford. Oh, jolly good. <laughs> I had a place at Oxford as well. Oxford United I played for. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, uh, but and, and I'd rather be there than, than Oxford University. So would I as well. Uh, but but the, 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 the point is that they then confirm them to themselves that because they're Oxford University, they must know. The last time I was there, at speaking at, um, at Oxford, the Oxford Union, uh, they they give you a a, 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 a bit a bit bit of food before at this hotel near, nearby, and I, I was sitting there, and there was some students sitting down around, you know, kind of obviously to do with the union, and this this guy, um, I don't know what he'd be, eighteen, someone like that, and he's going on and on and on um, about um, how I can't be right, not that he's read anything. Yeah. And he is just spewing out the postage stamp consensus like someone's pressed enter. But because he's very knowledgeable about the postage stamp consensus, he's an intellectual and perceived to be very clever. But actually, it's not clever at all. It's a program. And, and you know, my, my son, uh, Gareth, I mean, he, 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 he really push the boat out when he went to school because he was getting E's. <laughs> Not even D's, he was getting E's. Same as me. Because he, he, <laughs> he, he really, he, he kind of sussed it and um, realised it was a lot of, load of rubbish and incredibly boring. And uh, you, you talk to him now, he's a highly intelligent man uh, with multiple skills. And people that uh, were perceived to be his intellectual superiors at school because they pass the exams oh we've got A's um, they're, they're either doing nothing with their lives or they're, 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 they're doing jobs they, they would rather not do yeah good point um, so you know what was the point of it all um, and you know because innate intelligence always trumps learned intelligence if you can if you can um, if you can access that innate intelligence then you'll always um, get on far better than people with that closed and everything in here yeah i love that i really want to respect your time but i just wanted to ask you touch on one more topic um i wanted to speak about i know you had an ayahuasca experience yeah i wanted to speak about that and what's your thoughts on that and what do you think's actually going on in that realm well um i i took ayahuasca twice over two nights in 2003 and I had a phenomenal experience um, on the second night I had a, a voice as loud as mine is now female form it took 
uh, talking to me for five hours about the nature of reality was hilarious. Um, it was just taking apart reality as we perceive it, you know, this solid world and all that stuff. And um, for whatever reason, I had um, um, total recall of it um, afterwards. And I came back to Britain and I started researching to check out what I was told. And I, I found that if you put the dots to, together within the various disciplines of science, not least quantum physics, um, what that voice said was um, phenomenally accurate. right? Um, and what it, it's doing is basically opening channels that allow you to consciously access other levels of reality so a voice and what 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 is a voice all all, all that voice was was um sound wave information see i'm talking to you now and and uh, words are not passing between us um yeah definitely they are waveform information fields generated by my vocal cords are passing between us and it goes through that process the ear turns them into electrical information to yeah. the brain and the brain hears them so in the same way what i experienced in that ayahuasca state as a female voice was actually a waveform information and i, and I decoded it into a female voice because that was the frequency it was operating on um and it's opening those channels so you can access consciously levels of reality that you wouldn't normally consciously experience. So, for instance, I might um, I might have an intuitive knowing. I I I, I think this I think this world's an illusion. I think it works like this, but um, I don't consciously hear it. I feel it. But when the channels open with ayahuasca, now you are hearing consciously what you're feeling without an ayahuasca, being in an ayahuasca state. Uh, it's the same information. It's the same communication. It's the same decoding, but at a different level. It now, sort of strips away the intellect yeah, as well. It, yeah, it does. Yes, absolutely. It does that. But um, ayahuasca takes you in many ways to where you already are, because in the same um, the same group that I took this stuff in the rainforest of Brazil um, were people that took the same stuff in the same amounts and had nightmare situations because it, it takes you to where you already are. Uh, and, you know, if, if you if you have, um, you know, demons, it will take you to demons. If you don't, uh, certainly at that point, have demons then it will take you somewhere else. Uh, it just takes you to where you already are. And, you know, it was an interesting thing. I mean, this 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 voice was fascinating. And my belly was aching because it, I was just laughing because it was just taking the piss out of, out, out of how we perceive the world. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things, what, what, it, what this voice kept saying, it would, tell, it would say something. Um, a, a bit, a bit like the Morpheus character. Do you think that's air you're breathing now? Yeah, I love that. that kind of thing. It was going on like that, you know. And um, said at the end, um, "Do you think ayahuasca brought you to this place?" Oh, well, like that. illusion, <laughs> right? 
And uh, everything's an illusion because everything's a perception. See, um, we are interacting with this, what I call cosmic Wi-Fi, this information field that's encoded with information, which we decode. This is why we, we all, you, you see this room, I see this room, because the information of this, which we decode into this room, is encoded into, um, into, the, the, um, into this cosmic Wi-Fi, so we experience it. But beyond it, you know, you may look at this room and say, oh, it's quite a nice room. I may look at the room and say, oh, it's shite. Yeah. In other words, we experience the same basic background, but the way we perceive it is totally different depending on our perception. Um, and, and why do things happen to certain people and not happen to others? Um, why do some people live very limited lives um, and others live expansive lives? Well, you know, if, you, if you're on the internet and you're sitting there and you think, where do I go on the internet? Well, you make choices. So you go to this website, which might expand your awareness, or you might go to another website, you know, some entertainment thing, you know, who's, 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 who's betting who and, and what's the latest and that stuff. And in fact, you won't expand your awareness. Yeah. So it's a kind of a choice. And the choices that um, that of of what of this field of possibility and probability we decode into a personal experience, the choice is made by perception. And this is why this cabal in the shadows knows that if it can control human perception, it can control human experience. And I tell you what I mean by that. If you um, First of all, everything is a frequency. Everything. Every emotion is a frequency. Every thought is a frequency. Uh, and, and they've worked the frequencies out. They worked them out decades ago, if not earlier, whereby certain, like fury and anger and, and rage, they have frequencies. And they've worked it out to the point where they can um, broadcast that frequency, say, of rage across a community and they can basically cock the trigger on that rage by the frequencies they're sending out, which, which the brain and body are decoding as if it's coming from within, because it's just the same frequency. And then they, they will maybe trigger an incident. Maybe the police will beat up a black guy or something. And, and, and the community is now so... On, 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 you know, the, the gun is cocked emotionally because of what the, the frequency they've put out that all hell breaks loose and riots happen uh, and, and stuff. And th th they can trigger that. They can, they can manipulate human emotion. They can manipulate human uh, perception like that. So because everything's a frequency, your perceptions of self and the world represent a frequency. And as they change, the frequency changes. So for instance, if you think that you're just little me, you have no power, all I am is my labels, and um, I am my job, I'm my name, I'm my life story, I'm my family history, I whatever, and that's me, then that perception 
will translate into a band of frequency that will be very narrow and very low because it's not expansive. And so you are interacting with the fields all around us of possibility and probability, the quantum fields as they call them, within that frequency band. And you create a feedback loop. Just as the computer is creating a feedback loop with Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. and as you, as you make choices to uh, move around the internet, it's, it, it, it is decoding Wi-Fi in a different way to take you somewhere else. Um, so our perceptions translate as frequencies and bands of frequency, which we then interact with the uh, cosmic Wi-Fi upon. And if you, if you have a very narrow sense of self-identity, then that interaction is going to be very, very small and limited. And that is going to manifest a life experience um, of limitation, of I can't, that will never happen to me. All the best things always happen to other people. And you're going to live a very limited life, not because you're limited, you're infinite, but because you perceive you are limited and thus you experience that feedback loop of limitation. When you, when you, when you, um, you reevaluate your self-identity and you can do it in an instant, don't let anybody kid you. You've got to go on fasts and, and bloody quests and sit cross-legged on a bloody mountain for days at a time. You haven't. It's a myth. You change your perception. You change your life. What is sitting on a mountain cross-legged. What is sitting doing yoga? What is going on a quest and fasting? It's a belief that if I do that, this will be the outcome. You are creating a reality on the basis of belief that the outcome will follow the action, right? Well, how about the action's not necessary because that's just feeding your perception that the outcome's on the end. Why not? Just know the outcome without the action by changing your perception of reality from I am little me and I have no power to I am all is, has been and ever can be having an experience. And that expansion of self-identity means that you start to operate on an expanded higher frequency. And therefore, your interaction with the cosmic Wi-Fi field, if you like, of possibility and probability is now massively uh, expanded compared with I'm little me, I have no power. So now you are able to pull things out of the ether as an experience, as a coincidence. My God, what's the chances of that happening where someone else is not, not because you're better than someone else, but because you are operating on a different scale of interaction with possibility and probability. Why is it, happened to me, why is it that um, when people start to go through this awakening process, which is what? Re-self-identity process, that's what it is, re-awareness process, yeah. that they start to realize that suddenly there's synchronicity in their life that um, coincidences start to happen that weren't happening before. Oh my God, fancy seeing you here. What's the chances of that? 
the reason that's happening is expanded consciousness as you wake up and reevaluate self-identity and reality you are now moving deeper and deeper into the quantum field of possibility and probability so what does that mean your ability to manifest possibility and probability uh, as an experience um, increases and expands and that's what happens and to bring it round to how we started the cabal in the shadows driving human society knows this it knows it it's terrified of this process happening and so everything is 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 humanity is bombarded 24 7 because these days through frequencies technological frequencies it's in your sleep as well to to focus your attention on a tiny a small an area of sense of the possible um as they can because they have to hold us in these basically it's a prison of focus it's a prison of perception because if they don't it's over and uh, this is why they're terrified of this awakening that's going on and why they're running around trying to shut it down um well, all the best with that one. Yeah, all the best. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us your time. Real pleasure. It really is a pleasure. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, no Thank pleasure. You. No problem. Cool really. podcast. Really cool. Good to speak to you. Thank you so much. Thank no problems. Bo 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 boom, people. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, everyone. Really was an awesome conversation with David Icke. He really is a powerful speaker and somebody who really does sort of goes on these long rants. And I just really want in that podcast there. I really wanted to just let him sort of do his thing. He's somebody who loves to sort of just go on long, long round, rambling rants. Sometimes podcast conversations are like that. And to be honest, I just wanted to, to sit back and allow him to sort of really go to the depths of his mind and bring out knowledge, some really deep con- concepts. And he certainly did do that. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you want to become a Patreon, that would mean the world. It really helps me to keep doing what I'm doing. It's the best way to support the podcast. And as I've mentioned... When you become a patron, you get access to many bonus podcast conversations and you get your own private URL, which you can add to your favorite podcast app and listen to all the bonuses on the move, just exactly like you listen to this. So that's a really cool function anyway to allow me to give back to you. So anyway, just to play this podcast out, I know that podcast was a long one. It's probably this audio now is already already about an hour 30 in. But anyway, you've come this far now. Why not see it out right at the end? And I'm going to play a quite a long one this time, but it's a 15-minute long audio, and it's really awesome. It's by Terence McKenna, and it's talking about... It's basically a conversation about... It's not a conversation. It's basically a, a speech about trusting yourself, and I really feel that that's what David Icke was talking about, is that how we need to start taking the power back in our own hands and start trusting our own intuition. So anyway, this is a speech by Terence McKenna called Trust Yourself. I'll catch you next week. We'll have another amazing podcast as always. Wherever you are in the world, have an amazing day. Keep smiling, everyone, and keep up the fight. Peace and love. I mean, if you do, that's like, that's like believing that you understand Los Angeles if you have the telephone directory, you know? I mean, this is the level of genetics today. What they say, they say they understand life, and they have the telephone directory, and they're talking about Los Angeles because they can look up, 
you know, where the genes are, the coding for the proteins, you know, does this tell us anything about a broken heart or a messiah or a Hitler? I don't think so. So what we are trying to do is return the focus of attention to individual experience. We have been slave too long to ideology transmitted hierarchically and based on a tremendously alienating instrumentality. That's what science depends on now, a tremendously alienating instrumentality. What we need to do is empower experience. Well, this is where the psychedelics come in because citizens don't take psychedelics because it's illegal. Neither do marionettes, neither do robots. None of these well-behaved and mechanistic reductionist images of humanity take psychedelics because it's misbehaving. Misbehaving is a great sin. In fact, it's enshrined as the first sin. You'll regard that the psychedelic issue was there in Eden and somebody misbehaved and then they got tossed out forever and their children's children into the chaos of history. It's interesting to read in Genesis why this was. It was because they will become as we are, says Yahweh. They will become as we are if they eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. I suggest to you that this is precisely what we should seek to do and that this we is the voice of hierarchy, the voice of paternalism, the voice of the male ego finally right up into the storm god, the volcano god who lies uh, back there in the origins of monotheism. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. It's a wonderful thing to learn to be able to stand up and yell bullshit it, I, I did it when I first, when I was about 18 years old, and it was the meme of the hour, and uh, it held, it, it blew their minds. It did blow their minds. It was uncivil. <laughs> it was uncivil. It lacked polity. It was rude and crude and correct. Correct. Because so much is being slung and nobody is talking about the primacy of experience and the dignity of the individual. The dignity of the individual. We went a long way with this in America before we betrayed it. And it wasn't only betrayed by the clowns in Washington. It's also betrayed by anybody who clusters themselves around the feet of some self-proclaimed nabob. Because the fact of the matter is, Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows. Nobody has the faintest idea. The best guesses are lies. You may be sure of it. And so to pretend that one human being will lead another out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth is ludicrous. Absolutely grotesque. A product of this empowering of the human image that has gone on through several thousand years of dominator culture. If you want a teacher 
try a waterfall or a mushroom or a mountain wilderness or a storm-pounded seashore, this is where the action is. It's not back in the hive. It's not in the anthill. It's not knocking your head against the floor in front of somebody who claims that because of their lineage and whose feet they washed and whose feet they washed, that you should give credence to them. Knowledge is provisional. And uh, we, we are yet to approach even the first moment of civilized understanding. The way it is to be done is by trusting yourself, trusting your intuition. Reject authority. Authority is a lie and an abomination. Authority will lead you into ruin. It's not real. And it isn't, don't get the idea that it's this liberal rap about how everybody has a piece of the action. You know, the Jews know something, the Buddhists know something, the Huichol know something. Nonsense. Rubbish. Nobody knows anything. These are different kinds of shell games that have been worked out by priestly castes of people to keep things under control. Institutions seek to maximize control, control, control. That's what they're into. Did you think they were in the business of enlightening you? Saving your soul? Forget it. Control is what this is all about. And to the degree that we commit ourselves to ideology, we are poisoned. Any ideology, Marxism, Catholicism, objectivism, you name it, rubbish, all rubbish. What is real is experience. What is real is this moment. And so then what it becomes about is what are the frontiers of experience? How much of that has been taken away from us by these dominators, by these priesthoods, by these cults, by these philosophical shell games? Well, a lot. That's the whole story of history. Our growing unease, our growing disease, our malaise is all about the fact that we are kept from the wellspring of experience. We are sexually repressed. You may not feel it, but look back a hundred years to a world where pianos wore pants. You know, we, maybe we've made a little progress on the sexual thing. Maybe not. Maybe more or less than we think. But we are repressed in all of these areas. Uh, and we are particularly repressed in the area that relates to the psychedelic experience. Because it is, it is raid to the dominator insect invasion. They can't take it. They can't stand it. Because it empowers the individual. It dissolves the cheerful model of science. It's just exposed as, you know, a nice story. It enriches the accessible universe tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. It makes the individual complete within his or her self. And this completion of the individual is extremely destructive to the plan of the dominators, which is that you will be a cog in a machine. You will participate in the life of an organization, not your life, 
the life of an organization. You will go to some bullshit job, you will pour the best years of your life and your genius and your hopes into this. You will serve an institution. You will serve, 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 serve. Well, it's a bad idea for free people to go along with this. A much better idea would be to insist on the dignity of human beings to recognize that the freeing of slaves, the giving of the vote to women, the ending of public whippings, that this program of political enlightenment must also then include hands-off on how people want to relate to changing their minds. We are not interested in being sexually regulated by the state and we are not interested in being intellectually, spiritually, emotionally manipulated by the state. The state should stand down in this issue. The state is acting as the enforcing arm of the dominator culture, specifically of fundamentalist screwballs who you know, are horrified by all this, by the notion that people would claim the authenticity of their own minds, that people would stand in the light of nature and reject original sin and the guilt from Eden and, you know, the sins of the fathers and all this rubbish which is handed down. What the archaic revival is going to have to mean if it has teeth is a re-empowering of the individual and a consequent lowering of the, of the profile of institutions, especially government. We need to think about these things because we have bought into the idea that we have to serve and behave and be enslaved, else chaos will engulf the world. We need to carry out our analysis of the situation to the point where we can embrace chaos and see that chaos is the environment in which we all thrive. That's how I've done it for years. You think I could have lived, you think I could have gotten away with this in the Soviet Union? I don't think so. I require a society on the brink of social breakdown to be able to do my work. And, uh, and I think a society on the brink of social breakdown is the healthiest situation for individuals. I don't know how many of you have ever had the privilege of being in a society in a pre-revolutionary situation, but the cafes stay open all night and there's music in the streets and you can breathe it, you can feel it, and you know what is happening. The dominator is being pushed. It never succeeds. It never, uh, it never is able to claim itself. But on the other hand, history is young. We may have, uh, we may have a crack at this. A global society is coming into being. A global society made out of information that was not intended to be ours, but which is ours 
through the mistaken invention and distribution of small computers, the printing press, all of this stuff. Information is power, and information has been spilled by the clumsy handling of the cybernetic revolution by the dominator culture, in, so that it is everywhere. Never has the situation been more fluid. Never have uh, the opportunities for infiltration, insurrection, and hell-raising been more present at hand. But we have to seize the opportunity. If we continue as we have, then, you know, we're doomed. And the judgment of some higher power on that will be, they didn't even struggle. You know, they went to the boxcars with their suitcases and they didn't even struggle. This is too nightmarish to contemplate. We're talking about the fate of a whole planet. Why are people so polite? Why are they so patient? Why are they so forgiving of gangsterism and betrayal? Uh, it's very difficult to understand. I believe it's because the dominator culture is increasingly more and more sophisticated in its perfection of subliminal mechanisms of control. And I don't mean anything grandiose and paranoid. I just mean that through press releases and sound bites and the enforced idiocy of television, uh, the, the, the drama of a dying world has been turned into a soap opera for most people. And they don't understand that it's, it's their story and that they will eat it in the final act if somewhere between here and the final act they don't stand up on their hind legs and howl. And it's not done through organizing, it's not done through vanguard parties or cadres of intellectual elites. It's done through just walking away from all of that. Claiming your identity, claiming your vision, your being, your intuition, and then acting from that without regret, cleanly, without regret. <laughs>